Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about migrant women and employment opportunities is Sandra Ruiz Moriana. Sandra is a qualified social justice and political activist specializing in equality, diversity, and inclusion. Migrant women, employability, and leadership are her top priorities. Over her professional career, she has gained relevant working experience with people from diverse backgrounds, nationalities, life experiences, and ages. This includes providing the necessary support to assist them in achieving their personal, educational, and professional goals. As a result, Sandra has developed a genuine passion for working and advocating for the rights of people through mobilizing the communities and empowering individuals to think creatively. Thank you for being here today, Sandra. How are you? Hi, how are you, Jason? Thank you very much, and thank you very much, and hello to everyone that is listening today. Very good. Well, thank you so much. Looking forward to this conversation. A little bit of housekeeping for those that are joining us live today on this webinar. If you have any questions, type those questions in. Uh, time permitting, we will do everything in our power to get those questions answered. Sandra, I'd like to get started. Talk a little bit more about you and your journey. I'd, I'd love to hear that, and I know that people are interested in learning you know, about you. Of course. Um, so I, I'm living and currently living in, in Ireland, in Dublin. Uh, but as you can hear, uh, I'm from Spain, from a beautiful city in the south of Spain, and it's called Seville. Um, so I came to Ireland 11 years ago, I suppose, because I was I have a strong I, I have a strong desire to succeed in my career. So I wanted to do a master's and to keep improving my skills and my communication skills, my professional skills and to seek for new opportunities that it was kind of difficult to, to find in this pain. So um, I was working hard from the very beginning, but soon enough I started to realize that um, there was something different about me here in Ireland. I was part of the other. And that kind of uh, change of identity in my life, it was kind of new for me. So. I started to realize that I was a migrant woman after a while. And I just want to kind of break here to have a kick cut, if you don't mind. Um, because I know the word migrant can be, seems to be controversial for some people. And some people don't feel comfortable with that word or to be associated to that word because it has some negative connotation. But I, I don't see like that. I'm a migrant woman and I'm proud of being a migrant. And the negative connotation is coming from another side. But the fact that I'm here in Ireland, I came with, you know, with the freedom and the choice to move to Ireland. But unfortunately, because the situation in Spain, I cannot move back. I cannot return to where I am from. I'm considering myself a migrant. And I just wanted to clarify that. Um, so as part of that, that process, I started to recognize that there were some barriers and suddenly struggled that I have to overcome. So I was working hard um, to um, improve my English skills because when I came to Ireland, I couldn't say anything. It was hi, hello, bye-bye, and wow. that's it. That was all what I could say. And um, so I was working hard until I could access to my master. Then I was all, maybe it's just, you know, I cannot get to the position or the role where I want to get because my qualifications are from Spain. So I completed two different master's degrees on the top of other different programs here in Ireland. But again, it felt that it wasn't enough. So then it was like, well, maybe my network is not 
extend enough, like I need to expand my network. So I was working hard to meet people from everywhere and from all the different sectors. But again, it was not good enough. And the people, when I was meeting career um, career guidance, when I was meeting people from, when they were helping me, they were telling me, go to the tech sector, get a job there, and get money there. And I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I just, I couldn't sell my soul. And to say, well, yes, because I need the money, I'm going to leave behind my career, all the work that I have been doing, and all the investments that I have been putting in my profession, I have the people were telling me just to leave it and to, to get a job in the tech sector. So that was really difficult. And, and then the other struggle was like, even if I was trying and I was doing volunteer work and I was doing CS scheme and everything that you can imagine, the, the, the time of work that I was getting was very, um, the salary was very low and very poor conditions. So that was extremely difficult. So because I have, I'm, I consider myself an ambitious person, I have some goals in my career, I was not ready to take that and to, to leave my passion. I was not ready to say, no, okay, you leave it there and take the job just because of the money. So it was really, really difficult. Um, and I mean, as you can hear, and even when I tried to talk it's actually difficult to talk about it because when I, every time that I was getting a rejection letter and I was getting, a, I was trying to apply for a new role and to keep improving in my career and I was getting a rejection letter, it was extremely hard. But it was, I thought it was me. It was all about me. And then suddenly one day I joined a group of migrant people, migrant women. And then I realized that there were other women and they were going through the same um, pain that I was going. So it was a relief. Um, and sorry, I'm just saying that because my personal journey is very attached to actually my career at the moment. So all the work that I'm doing now with women that I'm working, like currently I'm, I'm coordinating a project uh, it's called My Wow, it's Migrant Women and Opportunities for Work. And all what I'm doing is bringing my personal experience and expertise to this project to make a difference in these women. So they, at least to try to make, well, to try my best, then they will um, have a different um, experience than I had in the past. Because there's a lot of work that has to be done here in Ireland. Sandra, you mentioned, I mean, I can hear your the pain in your voice. Um, can you talk a little bit more about this pain? And I don't know if trauma is the right word that you've experienced. Like you said, you're you're living it through your work too. So it's not like there's a separation for you. So how, how, how did that, how did you, how did that go with you? I mean, how did you, how were you able to rationalize that in your mind? It has been difficult. It has been very tough um, years and I have to live here in Ireland. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Ireland is wonderful and people are beautiful, but there is a lot of work that has to be done in terms of inclusion and integration, real one. And so when you arrive to a new country with a very poor communication skill, little knowledge about the system, poor network, you know, it takes a lot of courage to actually wake up every day and to fight and to keep working 
and to keep fighting for your dreams and to make sure that you, you don't lose your hope. So it was really difficult. I was lucky enough to have a good support of family and friends and they were beside me, support, supporting me no matter what. Um, but I cannot say that I have enjoyed my 11 years here in my professional side. So, I mean, I have cried, I have suffered, I have blamed myself so many times because it was all about me. My English is not good enough. My qualifications are not good enough. My networking is not good enough. My accent is not good enough. My, 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 my. So when you are telling you yourself over and over the same idea, in some point, it cannot get inside of you, inside of your brain and your heart. And you start losing confidence and you start losing your hope, which is the most important thing. And so, I mean, it has been difficult and there is no question about that. But maybe because I'm starving, maybe because I'm silly, I don't know why, but I didn't give up. I haven't given up, like I'm still today fighting for my dream. So actually the other day when I was thinking about what to say today here, I was in the shower and I think it's one of the best place to kind of think about yourself. And <laughs> it's when I, I spend my time talking to, to, I don't know, everything out there. <laughs> and, and I was like, you know, when you have the, let's say people like uh, Stephen Jobs, he was spending hours and hours inside of the chat, talk, trying to make a Mac and a computer, and he was failing, but he was repeating, like, you know, he was trying again, he was failing, he was trying, and he was trying, and until he actually got something. And I think that's actually what is happening to me, and that's how we need to see that. And we are on our own product, and we are on our, our own inventors, so we are inventing our own product, if that makes sense. So I need oh, to absolutely. keep working hard, no matter what. I need to keep working and try and try and fail. And that's okay. And to keep going until I get to the point where I feel that I have succeed. Am I going to get there? I don't know. But all what I know is that I need to keep be true to myself and to feel that I'm authentic to, to myself, to my value, to what I believe. So that's why I refuse to go to the, let's say, the easy path of just getting a job for money or avoid my passion and my career and to get any type of job just to bring money to the family, which is is important for me. Don't take me wrong. Like I, I have a family that I need to support. And, and, and so it's, it's a really hard decision. And it's not only my decision. It's kind of a family decision. But as I said before, I'm lucky that I have that support and I can do it. So, um, based, um, I mean, coming back to what I said before, what I was mentioning that I got the opportunity to meet with other migrant uh, women and then they were in similar space than myself and they were going through the same frustration, the same pain and the same stress. Um, we actually, as part of this project, we did a short survey. It was really short. It was only three weeks. And but in that period, we got three, three, forty-five migrant women and migrant descendant women that they respond to the survey. Um, 
I mean, they were they shared different information, but one of the most shocking one, the one that the, the one that really called my attention, was when we were asking them about barriers that they were facing, and they seems to be kind of they were sharing the same type of barriers than you know all of them. So they were talking about barriers like um, their qualification were from different countries, their ex working experience were from different countries. The accent, even my, uh, migrant women from America, when they are living here, they were talking about their accent to be a barrier to get a job in Ireland, which is very interesting as well. Yeah. And they were talking about childcare, family support. So we do have some kind of similarity in the barriers that we are facing. And not only migrant women, migrant descended women as well. Because at the end of the day, and let's say I have my daughter, then she's a mixed race. In the future, she is not going to look like the majority of the people. Her surname is not Irish. Her parents are not Irish. So all this is going to be, is going to make more difficult for her to succeed in her career, unless we change now the situation. Um, so yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, that's that's it. That's uh, you didn't even you. I'm sure it was not you didn't mention it, but also age age discrimination as well too. Besides for all the other barriers that you know the migrants are are faced. I mean, age discrimination as well. Absolutely, this is another one, and it's getting more difficult because the thing is with the new technology, uh, the new generation are way more prepared than you know my generation. Let's say like I didn't go to school when I was. In, when I went to school, I didn't have English until I was 12 years old, and I didn't learn how to use computer because back in the day there was no such a thing. Like there was very limited use or nothing to a computer. Um, so it is, it is, it is another important factor. So for migrant women, it's just you know when we talk about the glass ceiling that women are facing, and we talk about that glass ceiling. So when you talk about migrant women, that glass ceiling becomes kind of more than one layer. It's like could be two, three, four, or five, depending on your profile. So if you are 45 or 50 years old, that's another barrier on the top of it with being a woman. If you are um, the color of your skin, whatever, you have a different color of your skin, if you are part of the minority, you have another layer if your accent, if your degrees, if, if, if. So at the end of the day, when a migrant woman wants to smash that glass ceiling, we need to go through different layers and it, it, it makes it very difficult for us to succeed in our career. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit, Sandra, about the system and how it can help migrant women more um, for the, the success in their careers. What, what else can, what, what can happen? I mean, there is a lot of now policies and um, diversity and inclusion teams, and they are working towards um, the idea of having more diverse and diverse society, more diverse teams. Um, but it's kind of hard. It's very difficult. And all what I can see in the vast majority, like well, the cases, is tokenism, which is kind of sad. But uh, now that you are sharing this. I just wanted to talk about this because I think this is what I feel is the current system where we are living. And 
And I'm going to say, share another one that is just an idea of how we can improve the current system. So when you look at this, this is something that I, I, I did it, by the way, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's kind of simple enough, but I hope, I hope it, it helped people to understand what I want to say. So this, sorry, it's actually the other one. If you don't mind, Jason, to share the other one. Yep. This one. Perfect, yeah. So when you see here okay. uh, new arrivals in Ireland, new women than the girl in Ireland, in that first step is where they do get all the support. They are, we are talking about new arrivals, people that they don't have the, the um, permission to work and they do, don't know people in the, in this, in the area and they don't know the system, they do not uh, speak English and they don't have qualifications. So everything is there, which is good because there is a strong need for people there. But what happened is, and then the, when after 10, after five, 10 years, 15, 20 years, people living here, we are still migrant. We never stop being migrant. But some people think because we can speak, we can, we have, we know the system a little bit because we have been studying here in Ireland, then our problem, the problems are gone. Then we are perfectly integrated and we do have equal opportunities. The reality is not like that. So what happened is when women are fighting for their dreams and to keep working hard and they try to keep scaling, like, you know, climbing up the, the, the ladder, they can't, they get tired. So some of them, what happened is like, they decide to stay at home and to become a mother and to stay at home because it's no point for them to go to work when they have such a low salary and poor working conditions. So at the end, when they balance the situation between family and working conditions, they say, mm -mm, I stay at home. Others, they, they get tired because they want to, they get frustrated because they want to keep stepping up in their career and progressing and keep, and at some point they lose the motivation because they can't, they can't, unless they follow what the system has for them. So as you can see there, there are less and less women going up and very tired. And some of them, they do get to the top. There's a few of them, very little, like very few of them down there in a leadership position. But you can see there that they are tired and they cannot, and they're exhausted. And other than there's the reality that they don't care anymore. They have been going through such a, uh, the amount of pain and the amount of work that they have been doing. And now that they've reached the level, they're like, listen, that's it. <laughs> this is for me. Now it's time for me to live my life, which is listen, fair enough. And they are older than they still they do have the energy to keep uh, supporting and encouraging other migrant women to keep going up. But this is the current system. What I believe is the current system. But if we go to the next one, is what I think it is more, uh, it's, it's more relevant for everyone. So the support is not just allocated at the beginning. So it's, the support is going through the whole journey. So we are talking that we are looking at migrant women than they are at the top and how does can help to be women than they are in the next level. And those who are in the next level, how they can help the next one and the next one. So it's kind of the support is coming more from the top to the bottom rather than just for the bottom to go to the top. 
it doesn't make sense. So in that sense, we support and empower uh, migrant women to keep progressing in their career, to keep growing in the sector where they want to go and to get as far as they want to go. So it doesn't mean that everyone needs to be now a manager or everyone now everyone has to be in politics. Or No, that's not the, the case. Everyone should choose where they want to be working and what they want to do, but with real opportunities. So I think that's where I think it can it can help and it can change to first of all is to realize that we are migrant women, we are all our life migrant women, and we still need support. So we need to make sure that we support migrant women at any level. And then the second thing is to realize that we need more women in, in leadership positions, more role models that can support other migrant women in their journeys. Yeah, Sandra, you actually just touched on what my last question was, you know, from your perspective, um, I'd love to hear from you as to, you know, the need for more women in leadership. That's, uh, I mean, for me, it's extremely important. And I would say that it's not only important to have women in leadership positions. We need women, more women from different backgrounds in leadership positions. Yep. So we need women from with you know with different life experience with di from different social economic class we need women that they have disabilities migrant women so different voices and the reason is very clear and uh, in 2019 i decided um, to run for the elections here in ireland yeah. and my only reason was i mean running for the local election just to be clear <laughs> i cannot run for the general election right, so right. um and the only reason for me was to bring a different voice to the to politics. I wanted to make sure that people that they are living here in my area, that they do, we do have a good percentage of people from migrant background, they could see, they could feel that they, they are, their voices are represented. So when you see people that they sound like you, that they look like you, that kind of make you feel like your voice is there. On the other side, if everyone looks completely different like you, they talk different language. I'm not talking actually about the language itself, but they talk in different ways and you cannot connect yourself. It feels like you are living in the limbo, that nobody is actually speaking the same way than you do, that nobody can feel the same um, in the same way than you do. So we need people in leadership positions than they do um, represent all the people that we have in this society. And this is, again, very important when we talk about the future generations. And I'm coming back to my daughter because it's, for me, it's one of my reference points all the time. When I look at her, I make sure that when she's playing with toys, when she's um, reading books, when she's doing, when she's watching cartoons, then they do have some representations or uh, dolls or uh, pictures or cartoons and they look like her because it is it, it is important for her and she actually recognizes that when somebody look like her to say oh she's the one with my hair or she she's the one with my color it is important for her so the same when we are talking about leadership we she needs somebody in in that level then they look like her so when she thinks about her future she can say, 
I want to be like her. I want to be like her. And I cannot hate, I cannot highlight or I cannot say louder how important it is that. We need more women in politics. We need more diversity in politics. And we need to make sure that we all work together to get that. Because otherwise, it will never happen. Like at the moment, um, I was reading last week, the IPU, the UN, uh, they published, um, the, it was called the Women in Politics 2020, if I'm not wrong, so you can Google that. But they were talking about, in, in sorry, actually I have it here, and there is a 2.49 percentage of all parliamentarians around the world are women. So only 2.49 percentage of all parliamentarians around the world are women. And then when you look at the global sex ratio, it shows that we are equal, or maybe a little bit more men than women, but I mean equal. And only 2.49 percentage are women in politics. That says something. And if I'm not wrong, countries like America, they have never had a woman that was running the country in 2020. Am I wrong or maybe I'm not? Like, <laughs> you're, you're on, you're, you're, you're spot on for now, yeah. So in 2020, think about that. Like, I mean, for me, I was delighted to see Barack Obama. That was a turning point. But still, we are missing a woman in, in, in that, um, in, in, at that level. So it is, uh, what can I say? We need to work together. We need yeah. to work. It's something that is not only for, about women, it's not only about migrant women, it's not about that. So we all need to put our effort and, and, and energy to, to bring more voices to politics and all the different sectors. Yep, that's so true. So true, powerful message. Uh, Sandra, how can people find you? Well, I'm here in Ireland, so I will be. I will be very happy to meet anyone here in Dublin. <laughs> Actually, I will prefer to meet them in Spain. <laughs> but anyway, you can find there my email, Twitter, LinkedIn, and I'm I'm willing to talk to people to share whatever they want and and to set up a Zoom call or whatever they would like to to keep the, this conversation. Um, yeah. Real quick, yeah. Sandra, for those that are listening to us on the podcast, your your email is uh, Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A hyphen M-O-R-I-A-N-A at hotmail.com. Your Twitter is at Sandra under, uh, underscore Moriana and LinkedIn, Sandra hyphen Ruiz hyphen Moriana. So that's how people can find you on Hotmail, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Absolutely. And, I will and, and of course, I'm sure some people will take you up on that opportunity to meet in Spain. I, I can't imagine that, you know. <laughs> anyway, well, Sandra, thank you so much for your time today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for your time. Um, until next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging.